out the Junior High Ministry Podcast at Mariner's Church. For this and more content, check us out online at marinerschurch.org slash jhm. That rocked. Biola students for life. All right, guys, take a seat, take a seat. I'm Justin. I work on staff here with Junior High. It's been a while since I've taught, and I've missed all of you very much, especially the 9 a.m. service, because like all of you, I am a morning person as well, so I wake up just ready to go and ready to run a marathon, but not really, because I'm not going to run a marathon, even though I'm slowly training for a triathlon with some of the other staff, which is going to be great. But I'm Trevor, you know the story of the tortoise and the hare? Tortoise and the hare, you know, the big frumpy frog, you know, not frog, turtle, and he's slowly, and then the hare who's like running around. Who won that? Remember that, boys and girls. Remember that, Jared and Alex, all right? Tortoise won. You know, when I was in junior high, there's a true story, okay? And I love telling true stories. I hate telling fake stories or, or stories that other people uh, write, you know, for me, like in curriculum or something. But this is a real story. This really happened to me. When I was in junior high, I was a smart mouth. Now, I don't know if any of you boys are smart mouths now, and if you are, you'll grow out of it. I guarantee you'll grow out because I grew out of it. But I was a real smart mouth with my teachers. I was a smart mouth with other students. I was getting in fights all the time, causing trouble. Uh, I was always, I was back talking to my own mom. I, had, you know, I was just a bad, I was just a bad kid. Now, this is the thing. I had a lot of stuff going on in my life that were, you know, I know now are kind of attributing factors of why I acted that way. But in general, I was just, you know, I was just always being rude and mean, always looking to pick a fight and prove how tough I was. And I got detention one time, and the guy who was a detention teacher, his name was Mr. Maslin. And Mr. Maslin was the kind of guy that always had like a pearl of wisdom to share, okay? He, he was a fairly big guy, you know, kind of, he had some muscles, not super tall. He had weird ears. I had no idea why he had such weird ears. And he, I would go into attention, this is what he would do. He'd come sit next to me, and I'd be sitting there doing my homework. He'd come sit next to me and be like, Justin, you know that, you know, I really believe in you, man. He was doing this whole thing. I, I do this to people all the time, but I, I really mean it. And he really meaned it too, but I wasn't, I wasn't listening to it. That was the difference. I really believe in you, man. I know that the decisions you're making, I know that you are better than this. Like, I know you're a leader, that you can do better. I know you're better than this, man. And I'd look at him, I'd never believed a word he said. I didn't care what he said, I didn't care what his opinion was. And this is actually what I said to him. I looked at him and I said, when you were in junior high, I bet you got bullied by kids like me. Now, that's what, I'm I'm just the total punk, okay? Uh, Stand on up, stand on up. This is, this is a good picture of me in sixth grade. This is, this is my, like, put your arms out. This is me. I right, wiggle your arms. Okay, that's how I walked around like this all the time. Okay, so that's a good picture. So imagine that guy. You can take a seat. Imagine that guy just being, like, super goofy and, and just rude and just obnoxious and mean and telling a teacher that when they were in junior high, they got bullied by kids like me. And, I mean, that's not cool. No one thinks that. He didn't think that was cool. Well, I live to regret it. Because like most students who were real physically active, uh, because back then I was really physically active, I decided I was going to go out for the wrestling team. Do they have wrestling teams around here in Orange County? Can you, Woodbridge has a wrestling team for high school, right? Well, where I'm from, you could do that in junior high. They start you really young. So I know, awesome, right? And there's the whole premise of wrestling. Like there are rules and there are moves, but I mean, in the end, it's you in front of another guy your own age and your own size, and your goal is to, you know, win, and people are cheering for you, and they're yelling out the moves you should do, and you're putting on all these grappling moves, and you can squeeze as hard as you want. I mean, you can, you can, I mean, it's, for a guy like me, it was perfect, all right, because this was like, I got all my aggression out on the mat. 
So I, was, I heard about this, and I was thinking, about it. I was like, man, I'm going to do this. I got my mom to sign the permission slip, and she gave it to me. I folded it up, put it in my pocket, went to school, and practice was that day, that first practice. So I went to practice. I had my permission slip. I'm stoked because all I'm thinking about is the kids that I'm going to make cry. And remember, remember me, you know, just super, you know, lanky Justin. And all I'm thinking is like, I'm going to make kids cry because I had a really high voice. I walk in the room, and who is standing there but Mr. Maslin? Turns out that Mr. Maslin is the wrestling coach. And the reason his ears are always so weird is because wrestlers' ears are weird. The cartilage in their ears just kind of go nuts after they wrestle for so long. He actually wrestled Division I. He was like two steps away from going to the Olympics one year. Like he is an incredible wrestler. And he made me regret every mean thing I have ever done. In practice, whenever he needed someone to like help and be his like basically a ball of putty, he would get me and just, and just put me around like a pretzel and be like, this is how you do it, guys. And I'm sitting there like, help. It was craziness. And there were moments where I was like, I don't think I can do this. I don't think, I think this maybe isn't for me. I don't think this is worth it. I'm going to leave. Maybe I won't come back. I don't want to deal with this. And then I had regrets. Maybe I was, should have been nicer to this guy. Or maybe I should have uh, you know, not been as rude. Or maybe I should have a million things. But you sit, I sat there and I count the cost. And I had this moment, like this I want to leave moment. Like this isn't for me anymore. Like this isn't worth it. Like what is happening right now? I don't need this in my life. Because every day I was going home hurt and, and it was the worst. But I stuck it out and it was awesome. I stuck it out and, and achieved this awesome goal. I went to States for wrestling, and I ended up coming in second place, which is awesome, uh, because the guy who won first place, I think, was taking steroids. Like, he was also in sixth grade, but he looked more like Ryan. So, Ryan, you stand up. So, so there was me, there was Justin, and then there was Ryan. Like, it wasn't fair at all. This guy was from some weird small town in New York, so a lot of tons of weird small towns in New York. This is the thing. I stood to regret this many times, and I stuck it out, and for me, that was the right choice. And this is the thing. In faith, sometimes, we come to crossroads where we have the choice of kind of moving forward and counting the cost of what it looks like to continue to follow Jesus. Or we have the chance of looking at what it takes and what the cost looks like, and sometimes we choose that we don't want to do this anymore. And this is the thing. When I was your age, I used to sit in the chair, and, and I, always, I always say this. I probably say it maybe every lesson I give an example just like this because it's important. There are some of us in this room who are sitting there and thinking of the student next to us or across the row or a couple rows back, and they're like, man, that guy has it all together. And that, there's no, that student is wearing a JHM t-shirt, and they have a bracelet on, and they, they're doing a reach team, and, or they're doing small groups. They got it all together, right? And me, I'm a mess. Like, if they only knew how untogether I had it, like, they would, wouldn't want to be my friend anymore. And then the thing, there's, there's stories in the Bible, and we're going to get to one in a second out of John chapter 6, that talks about this subject, about this subject of really counting the cost, looking what it looks like to follow Jesus, and some people who decided it wasn't for them, and what that looked like. Now, we're going to talk about this, and I'm going to open it up just with a, just a quick little, just setting the scene. Uh, in John chapter 6, uh, Jesus did the feeding of the 5,000. Who knows the story of the feeding of the 5,000? Right, does anyone know how many people were there? Exactly. Good call. Good call. That was really good. That was perfect. That was perfect. You guys are smart. So they're doing the feeding of the 5,000 and, you know, there was no food. And Jesus said, you know, well, how are we going to feed these guys? Or the disciples were saying, how are we going to feed these guys? And Jesus said, I have a plan. 
And one of the disciples said, hey, this kid, you know, he brought his lunch with him, a couple of loaves of bread, some fish, and he did this incredible miracle. Now, after this incredible miracle is where we kind of pick up the story, uh, starting in verse 25, I believe. Now, Jesus did this miracle, and he left, and he was on a boat, and he went to the other side of the river, and he was hanging out, doing his own thing. And this is what he said. People came, they sought after him, they found him. This is what they said. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Because they had no idea. He just showed up. It was awesome. Jesus answered, and this is very important, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Now, this is the thing. This is a pretty uncontrollable statement. I mean, for them to hear him say this, for them to hear, oh, we put the verse back up, for them to hear him say that, uh, that in verse number, 20, or verse number uh, yeah, 27, uh, which the Son of Man will give to you, referring to himself as the Son of Man, the Son of God. For him to say that was extremely uncontrollable. There's a bunch of other uncontrollable things Jesus said, and maybe you guys have said some uncontrollable things in your time, some totally crazy things, like me saying that I'm going to do a triathlon. A lot of you guys are looking at me like, that sounds totally nuts. You don't look like the triathlon type, but I am. All right, so Jesus said some pretty crazy things. These are one, one of the things he says. He said to a guy once that your sins are forgiven. Now, that was a huge deal back then because they believed that only God could forgive sins. So who is this guy walking around telling people that his sins are forgiven? Who's do it? Who does that? Totally crazy, totally uncontrollable. One time uh, he said, I have come uh, not to be served but to serve. Now, this is the thing. They looked at Jesus as this, this king. You know, in the beginning part of chapter 6, they actually wanted to make him king by force. And he ran from it because he didn't want that. But for this guy who's the king of kings and the lord of lords, a, a guy that, that has come at the embodiment of God on earth, walking in human flesh, and for him to say that I didn't come here to be served by people. I don't need servants. I don't need, you know, you to just bring me food all the time. I don't need you to wash my feet in the bathtub. Okay, I don't need those things. I want to be in the bathtub alone. Maybe I'll wash your feet. For him to say that was uncontrollable because no one expected a king who'd come to serve his people and not to be served by them. That was unexpected, totally uncontrolled. Okay, so here's another thing. He said to love your enemies. Man, that was a really hard thing for a lot of people to do. I mean, back then, I mean, wars were fought all the time, and, and when someone wronged you, the whole idea was you just wrong them back, and you get even, and you, you, then you call it a day, and you move on. But Jesus is saying, no, no, it's not about that. It's actually about some other things. It's about forgiving people and showing love and being compassionate. You know, things that some of us hear that, and we're like, man, you know, am, I, am I a loving guy? Am I compassionate? Am I like Jesus? Well, these are the things that Jesus was about. And when people heard this, it was uncontrollable. It was shocking because this was the level that he was calling us to. And for a lot of people, they could not handle it. So he said a lot of uncontrollable things. He was all about that stuff. Now, we have this next kind of group of verses. And this is, what, this is the deal. Um, you're going to totally see where I'm going with this. Verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we knew? How does he now say, I have come from heaven? See, this is the deal. They knew who Jesus was. This wasn't a shock to them, okay? They grew up with the guy. 
They went to sleepovers together. They were in small groups together. They walked around the marketplace and bought food together, okay? They watched him grow up, all right? They, they went to JHM with them. They were there playing games with them, all right? Jesus was a kid once. He played games, okay? He had sleepovers. I mean, he was a normal human being, okay? They gym class together, in school together, and they had discussions together. So now this guy that they know, they know him, like you know me, or like you know Colton, or like you know, you know, any one of these students in here. And then one day, this student that you know, this person you grew up with, when they were about 30 years old, so now we're all 30 years old, and one of them, out of the crowd, stands up and says, I am the son of God. I am the bread that has come down for you. And they're saying, I know this guy. They knew him. See, and that's what makes this next group of verses so shocking. Because it was because they knew him, it was because they had a relationship with him, that when he starts in verse 53, it was very stunning. Verse 53. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is the real food and my food is the real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in a synagogue in Capernaum. So basically, this is the story, guys. Um, Jesus is a vampire and a zombie. Now, I know this might be very shocking to you. I know some of you may be hearing this and saying, I've never heard of this before. Vampire, zombie, Jesus. Now, listen, listen. The giving bread Jesus is gone. Okay, the, the doing the miracle and the food, that Jesus is gone. Uh, produce, uh, grocery store, salesman Jesus has left. Zombie vampire Jesus is now here talking about eating flesh and drinking blood. Now think about this. this his career right now is preaching the good news of his Father God in heaven. His whole goal is to bring people in to tell them that their sins are forgiven, that there is eternal life, that God loves them, and by doing this, he's bringing people around him, and his big message to a large group of people is that all of you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Like a vampire. Wait, if, if I was to say in, in a, just a regular lesson, like, hey guys, listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I was in junior high once, and uh, the only way to get through it is uh, to, you know, eat your pastor's flesh and drink his blood. So uh, we're going to have Jared in the back and uh, just head back there and just you know, take a bite. If, if I was to say that, you'd think I'm crazy, you'd all leave and your parents would write me emails, okay? They'd think I'm nuts, okay? If, but if, 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 a, if the president got up there and gave a speech and was like, hey guys, because I got the plan for America, all right? Education's important. All right, the stuff, the oil, the foreign oil, which is a term I got from MSNBC, that's important too. All right, sports are important, so the refs, good thing they got it right. And, uh, and we're going to eat my flesh and we're going to drink my blood. And we're going to be good as a nation, okay? That'd be crazy. Okay, I found some other speeches. You'll know some of these speeches. This would this be crazy. Speech number one. Imagine this. Abraham Lincoln, Gettysburg Address. Civil war is occurring. This is what he says. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth this continent, a new nation conceived in liberty, in dedication to the uh, proposition that all men are created equal. 
we, ha- we, uh, now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so uh, dedicated can long endure. We have met on a great battlefield of war. We have come here to eat my flesh and to drink my blood. Imagine if you guys learned that in school. You'd think he's crazy, right? Here's another one. This is a great one. Martin Luther King. I love this guy. I love this guy. The guy's a man of vision, okay? Man of vision. I love this speech. 1963 is old school. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair, I say to you today, my friends. Uh, And so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We all hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and former slave owners will be able to sit down together at a table of brotherhood and eat my flesh and drink my blood. Imagine if that was history. That's crazy, right? And the disciples are looking at this and saying, you're crazy, Jesus. You have no idea what you're doing. People are going to leave. You're talking about eating your flesh and drinking your blood. You're crazy. You're crazy. And see, that's exactly what happened. See, in the next verse, this is what it says. It says that, uh, verse 60, many of his disciples heard that and they said, this is a hard teaching. Who can listen to it? Because this was difficult stuff to hear. They didn't understand what he was saying. And Jesus said in the next verse, in verse 66, after his disciples, after many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him, so Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. To whom shall we go? I mean, they're walking with Jesus. They're seeing these miracles done. They're hearing of this love that transforms people. They're hearing of these miracles that change lives and changes families. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying to yourself, I know of this love that, that Jesus speaks of. I know of this eternal life. I know of this relationship with God because I have it in my heart. I know of what you're speaking of. I get it. I understand. He's coming to my life. He's changed so many things about me. You know, I stand here as a guy that, that one, at one time when I was 19 was sitting on a boat. I was sitting on this boat in the middle of, uh, of Minnesota, and it was, like a, it was a lake. And I was sitting there, and listen, I left New York on this road trip with a good buddy of mine. And I left New York in chaos and destruction. Because I wasn't following God and I was making tons of bad choices. Now I knew a little bit about God because I grew up in the church. A lot of you guys know that. I was in church when I was in junior high. So I remembered things about God. But I wasn't walking with him. I wasn't living for him. I didn't care what his thoughts or his passions were. I I didn't care that he loved me and sacrificed himself for me. I was just doing my own thing. I was doing what I wanted. And it left destruction and left chaos. So I was sitting on this boat with my friend. And I was thinking through my life. I was thinking through my life of what it would look like if I followed God and what my life would look like if I didn't follow God. And in that moment, in this, this, this moment of, of running this movie through my head, I decided that the only way to go was to follow God, that he had eternal life. Who else could I follow but him? And that was my choice. Now, this is the thing. I went back to New York, 
And a lot of my friends who remembered me, like the partier and the crazy guy and the guy who didn't follow rules and did whatever he wanted and lived for himself and didn't care about anyone else but him, a lot of my friends wanted that guy back. A lot of my friends looked at me, and they would have rather had that guy back than me. When I told them that I was a Christian, when I told them that I love Jesus, that I want to live for him, when I told them that I want to learn more about him, that I want to go, you know, that they should come to church with me, that I'm going to a great new church called the chapel, you guys should come with me. They didn't want that. And they decided to walk away. There are difficult teachings that Jesus gives, and there are difficult times in your walk with God. For me, that was the difficult time. That was my want-to-leave moment, and we all have one. See, I was looking at my friends who were walking away from me, and I was looking at how difficult it was, and I was looking at those friendships fall apart, and I was looking and saying, is this for me? Is this really for me? Because I'm losing friends, and I love these people. And is it really worth it to follow Jesus and say no to them? And I had a count-the-cost moment, a want-to-leave moment. And I, but I said, after knowing God and experiencing him and seeing him in the lives of other people, I said, who else can I follow? Where else can I go? It's God that has the truth of eternal life. Now, for some of us in this room, we have, we, have, we have bought into that truth. And we have let Jesus become a real part of our lives that, is, that have changed us and molded us into the people we are today. And the people we're growing to be. And small groups is going to help with that. And I can't wait for small groups to kick off. For some of us, we've never made a real decision to follow God. We've had a lot of those I want to leave moments, and, we, and some of us have chosen to leave given those moments. But I want to give you guys a new moment today. I'm going to invite the band back up, and I'm going to give you guys a new moment. Because we're going to do something that, that we don't do often, but when we do it, it's important. We're going to have a moment that if you have never experienced God, if you have never accepted him in your life, if you've seen him be alive in the lives of your friends and in the lives of the staff and the lives of others. And you say, I want that for me. I'm going to give you guys a chance to do that today. And we're also going to be taking communion today as a community, which is something we don't do often, but it's important. See, when, when Jesus was talking about his flesh and his blood, he wasn't talking about his literal flesh and blood. When he was talking about that we, we, we eat this, it's representing the sacrifice he made for us. The bread represents his body. The, the juice represents his blood. And we do it as a symbol to remember what he sacrificed for us. So this is what I'm going to do. I, I just want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm not putting anyone on the spot. But I want to do a prayer that if you've never prayed this before, if you've never decided to follow Jesus before, if you've never said, this is a priority to me, I want to give you guys the opportunity. So bow your heads, close your eyes. For some of us in this room today, this is going to be a big moment because you're sitting there saying that who else can I follow but Jesus? Who else has the truth but him? If that's you, if you're saying who else can I follow but Jesus? Who else has the truth but him? Then I want to say this prayer. I want you to repeat after me. You don't have to do it out loud. Say it, say it in your head. And pray with me this prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for loving me enough to give up your body to sacrifice yourself for me. And Lord, who else can I turn to but you? Who else can I put faith in but you? And in this moment, I want to choose to do something different. I want to choose to follow you. And Lord, I pray that 
in your name. Amen. Now listen, for some of you, you prayed that for the very first time. I'm not going to make you stand up or, or point you out. But if you prayed that, we want to know as staff. Because we want to encourage you and help you in this journey. We were all on this journey together. I started mine when I was 19. If you guys started yours today, I want to be there for you. Now, communion. This is how we're going to do it. In a moment, I'm going to let you guys get up and come forward. And we have four, four stations. One, two, three, four stations. There's one over there, two over here, one over there. And this is what you're going to do. Just come up, rip off a piece of bread, just rip it right off the loaf, dip it in the juice, and you can just head right back to your seat and take it there. So, let me pray. I'm going to let you guys do that for a minute. Dear Lord, thank you for the time to do communion as a community. Thank you for this time to share it together. And thank you for the sacrifice you made for us on the cross. Amen. So you guys, just stand right up and come forward, rip off a piece, dip it in the juice, and just head right back to your seat, and you can take it there. guys, thank you so much for being uh, here today. Thank you for being part of this community at JHM. Uh, I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Uh, before you leave, there are student leaders at the doors who have a paper for you about FCA. Uh, this year's going to be a great year for junior high. Have a great rest of your day. God bless and see you next week.